Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for downloading or streaming this episode of Band Biographies. You can find more episodes at bandbiographies.com. That's B-A-N-N-E-D biographies.com. If you enjoy it, why not leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to listen to your podcasts. Apparently, it helps get the show up the charts so more people can see it, to download it, and then to leave further five-star reviews. Another way you can help is by telling as many friends as possible to give it a download. Please do reach out on Twitter at BandBiogs, on Instagram at BandBiographies, search on Facebook for BandBiographies, or by emailing BandBiographies at gmail.com. But most of all, enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to this interview episode of the Band Biographies podcast. On this episode, I talk to James Crutwell, who is the bassist in The Gonads, the oi-punk band fronted by broadcaster and author Gary Bushell. James also plays in a band called The Furry Love Lickers, and on this episode we talk about him being in the East End Baddows as well, another old-school London-based oi-punk band. But since this episode was recorded back in the spring, he no longer plays for them. We also talk quite a bit about Covid and lockdowns being eased as it was at the time, in about March or April. So a lot of that chat is kind of irrelevant now, but I've included it for posterity. Personally, I found it interesting to look back at how we were feeling about four or five months ago, and how things have changed since. Because we found out we have similar tastes in music, we get very into talking about bands. And because we're from the Maidstone Medway area of Kent, we both get a bit estuary with our accents, which is always what happens when you get two Kent-based punk fans together. But with that slight disclaimer out of the way, please enjoy this chat between myself and James Crutwell. James, thanks very much for coming on. Cheers for having me. Talking to me today. Firstly, I'd like, obviously, thanks for kind of giving up your time. No worries. We found out, like, we messaged each other on uh, on Instagram a little while ago and realised that we had kind of a mutual acquaintance in mm. Paul Brightman, wasn't it? Uh, he is good as gold as Paul. Yeah. Yeah, I love Paul. Yeah. Um, how, how is it that you know him? It's actually a weird one because my dad's his postman. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Okay. And, and, and so... Obviously, through uh, delivery his post, like the two of them got to, got to know each other, and then uh, it was probably about a bit more than five years ago. Um, mm. I just got back into gigging, needed a new bass amp. He had one for sale, and bought that off him, and <laughs> known him ever since. 
guys always buying and selling things. I've never <laughs> known someone to buy and sell so much equipment. <laughs> but, but, but Paul's an absolute diamond. He's, he's one of those people I've got a lot of time for. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I know like I was kind of saying on the interview that I did with him a couple of months ago that he's had a really kind of rough year this year. Yeah, and, just um, a little bit. Oh, man. But hopefully things are on the up soon. I think it's good for him. Yeah, yeah, lovely guy. So, yeah, so uh, before we kind of get into the bands that you're playing in now, I always like to ask a couple of quick questions yeah. just to kind, yeah, of, no I kind of get to know your thing. For you, what was what was kind of the first song or piece of music that you heard that make you think, like, that's the kind of music I want to do or playing music is what I want to do? Well, the first song that I can actually remember hearing and liking was um, Common People by Pulp. Right, yeah. Because I, I, I was, because I was, what, about 95 that come out, so I was only about four at the time. Mm. It's, um, I, I remember we, we was on holiday in Greece and I just remember it coming on the radio and... There was just something about it that I was just instantly hooked with 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 that one song, and it's just mm. that moment has, has stayed with me ever since. Mm. And even now, all those years later, it still gives me goosebumps. All oh, right, but, but and, and it's a mad one. But in terms of what it was that actually made me gravitate towards this sort of music, it, it was just a natural thing because. I was brought up around around a lot of punk music, and so it was just a like natural progression for me, really, mm. because I don't actually have any memories of of punk music not being about. <laughs> All right, um, were your parents punks were they? Yeah, I mean, like to some some of my childhood, my dad took me to see the Sex Pistols when I was eleven. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> so was that the that wasn't the '96 reunion? That would have been one of the that would have been two thousand uh, two thousand two Crystal Palace. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice one! And, That's and, cool. And even back then, I, I, I still remember like singing along to every song word for word. Yeah, because they been played so much in your house. Yeah, and, and it's like even like Christmas to me is listening to the Ops Christmas album because that takes me back to my childhood. <laughs> and, and so even now, that will still be my go-to Christmas album because it's it's what, it's what takes me back. Yeah, yeah, it's what what was on. Christmas is when you were growing up. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. Because Pulp were like really different from the other kind of Britpop bands mm. that were about. Because you had kind of obviously Oasis, who were kind of your kind of rock and roller mm. band. You had Blur, that were more of a thinking persons. They were a bit more artsy. And Pulp were just, they were out of left field somewhere. Yeah. Like Jarvis Cocker doesn't look like he should be a pop star. <laughs> And like his dancing's awful, but there's just something about him. He's very charismatic. He's, he's just cool as fuck, isn't he? He really is, yeah. And he's gotten cooler the older he's got as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, mean I mean, like you look at him and you see like this geography teacher sort of, <laughs> sort of looking person, and you think you've got no right to be to be that cool, but he's fucking cooler than any of us will ever be. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you heard the um, the William Shatner cover of that as well? Bizarre. It's beyond bizarre. But I think it's Joe Cocker playing the um, the guitar on that as well. Okay. I think it is. I'll have to look that up and fact check myself. Because some of those William Shatner covers were bizarre. Yeah, like obviously there was something. Yeah, obviously like there's the famous Rocket Man one as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Who who knew that that guy 
would have a pop career. <laughs> strange, strange. Because I, I figured that we were roughly the same age. Seems like you're probably about five years younger than me. Then I'm okay. Because not uh, ninety one, I was born. Yeah, so I was eighty five. So yep. so around that. Um, so what was what was the uh, the first kind of single or album that you bought then? <laughs> you know what? It's one of those things that I've been like laughing about with people at work recently because. Uh, obviously, like I sent, I sent you the message asking for like, the question, like a few questions or whatever. And yeah. I, was, I, I was thinking, like, what was the first album that I bought with my own money? And it turned out to actually be uh, "Let's Go" by Avril Lavigne. Oh, nice! <laughs> <laughs> Which I've got no shame in saying. Yeah, and, and so it's like I, I've been like talking to people at work, and it's like, oh fuck's sake, I'm, do, I'm doing this podcast, and I've got to tell people that my first album was Avril Lavigne. <laughs> I bought that for my mum for her birthday one year. For your mum? Yeah. It was like, <laughs> all of a sudden you around... You really, didn't you? Well, <laughs> it's a really good album. It is. It's a really good album. I stand by it. And I stand by your choice as well. Because <laughs> the thing was that around that time, like, like that song Skater Boy in particular was one of those songs that everyone liked it. When you're at school at that time, it's like, the kids that are into the pop stuff liked it. The kids that, that were into the rock stuff liked it. And yeah. it's one of those rare songs that absolutely everybody enjoys. Yeah, it crossed over big time. Mm. I mean, at the time, I suppose, kind of that pop punk stuff was really... I mean, that was where I started. Really. Mm. That was like uh, the first band that I got massively into was Blink-182. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you kind of look... I used to... I don't know whether you were the same, but I used to kind of go through the inlays in the in the albums mm. and kind of look through the thanks and who they were tall with yeah. and, and all that. And then you kind of go back and like, it, well, if they are thanking them, that must mean they're pretty good. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Kind of do that. Um, and everyone's got to start somewhere. And, and, and the funny thing is that, like you said about Blink-182, because around that time, I remember being at a record fair with my dad, and because this must have been about 2001 or so, mm. and I remember hearing this song, I really liked it, and I couldn't remember what the band was called, and I just knew that there was a, a, a number in the name, mm. and so... It turned out to be Fat Lip by Sum 41, right. and so I, I remember like, saying to my dad, look, there's this band that I really like the song, but I only I, I know that there was a number in the name. Like, can you help me out? So he bought me uh, All Killer No Filler right. and Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. And so that was how I got introduced to Blink-182 because I wasn't as knowledgeable as it, as it were then. Right. And so it, it was kind of like an accidental getting into Blink-182 purely because of the whole number thing. Mm, mm. but also i think that you're talking about a time where you couldn't just look it up on the internet either. yeah like there wasn't really i mean i suppose the internet was there around about 2000 and i think that album's what 2001 2001 so you're talking 20 years ago the internet was there but it certainly wasn't it's on not the way it is now yeah yeah it wasn't on your phone you couldn't just go oh I, mm. you know shazam that song or whatever you know all that stuff is where I started because like mm. my parents didn't and this kind of brings it back to the Avril Lavigne thing my, my, my parents didn't have my dad used to tape the chart show every week okay and so like there was a lot of that stuff on and my mum didn't really have much of a musical taste of her own so like there was just chart stuff on in the house mm. like, there wasn't much else but then around about 2000 it was weird she started really getting into stuff that was contemporary okay 
so it was like Avril Lavigne. She got into like the Franz Ferdinand and the Kaiser yeah. Chiefs and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I went down and bought the Avril Lavigne album for her birthday, but I made sure to buy a couple of other albums as well that were a bit, okay. that were a bit cooler. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> you know you go into a record store and they're always judging you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but it's it's a great album that, and it's it's one that I've gone back to recently and been like, should I be embarrassed about this? And absolutely actually, not. No, no, not at all. I mean, because. Funny enough, like me and my girlfriend were out, were out in the car recently, and like, I just left her in charge of the music, and like she just randomly come out with putting Avril Lavigne on, and it took me back to more teenage days when Girlfriend come on. Yeah, right. And it was it was just a bit of no embarrassment, fun singing along to that as well. Yeah, I, I love a pop song. Yeah, like as much as I I love kind of punk and hardcore and and metal and and you know reggae and and all sorts of stuff you can't beat like a two and a half three minute simple yeah. pure sugar punch percent <laughs> so i mean blink 182 for me was the band where i was listening to the music for the first time and being like oh that's a bass that's a yeah. guitar line and i figured out i could hear how it all kind of worked together mm. and that for me was like the first time that i was like oh i think i could probably do that Mm. what band was it that kind of got you into picking up an instrument or was it was it not a band was it your dad's um, it was a little bit of both it was it, it was the listening to to some 41 that that made me want to really go for it but then of course like growing up I did have my dad playing guitar around the house so it, again it was just natural to, to gravitate towards that mm. but mm. it was probably actually watching Bowling for Soup that that was a, a, around that time when I started first picking a guitar up and like, actually listening to to what they were doing sort of thing. Mm. And it, it was probably actually more Bowling for Soup that influenced me when, when I was younger. Yeah. But then at the same time, there was uh, some of the earlier songs that I was learning were like your Ramones numbers. Like you can't beat being that young and first playing like Sheena as a punk rocker. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Blitzkrieg is the one for me. Blitzkrieg box mm. is always going to be that one. If I pick up a bass and I want to kind of test out how trebly it can get. <laughs> <laughs> it is the perfect pop song. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, obviously, they were essentially a hardcore punk band. Mm. But, but they were perfectly pop. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same with Nirvana as well. When Nirvana came out, like, Nevermind, for example, mm. is just full of really catchy hooks. Mm. That, you know, if you tone down the guitar, could be put in a pop song. Like, you know, it's just it, in like a kind of 50s or 60s garage band type. Mm. 100%. Yeah, that's what I love about it. It's like they, they are, you know, they do cross over. And like you say, I mean, Avril Lavigne and, and Bowling for Soup and, and Blink-182 and that were, they were massive at that time as well. Yeah. So. And, and the thing is like, being that sort of age at that sort of time was was fantastic but for the music because it was like sort of cheesy and easy listening mm. but then it's a gateway to finding the, the older band sort of thing that influenced them sort of thing yeah and so it was a really good time to actually be getting into music yeah i think so too because i think you, you've got to think like 
going backwards from Blink-182, for example, you get to, like, I remember watching or, or reading through the uh, the notes in the, one of their albums, whether it was Enema of the State or Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, mm. and they were talking about the circle jerks and screeching wheels yeah. and people like that. And I was like, oh, who are these guys? They've got really weird sounding names. Mm. And you go back and you're like, wow, these are these are proper, proper bands. Mm. I see something on Instagram the other day of it was a flyer of Blink-182 opening for Descendants. Right, yeah. And I mean, like, no, like, looking back now, that would have been fantastic. Yeah, like the crossover from the kind of late 70s and 80s kind of um, hardcore and political bands to the kind of Green Days and Rancids mm. into the Blink-182s and the Offsprings. Yeah. There's a linear progression from all those things. And yeah, as soon as you find bands like Rancid, for example, that's it, game over. Like, you don't really <laughs> need to go much else. No. In my opinion, I, I, I love Rancid. Rancid are one of those bands that are very, very hard to beat. Mm. Well, they've just got a bit of everything. Because mm. they do, because they've got the really kind of hardcore energetic stuff, but then they can be quite melodic as well as doing the scar stuff yeah and it's just yeah they're, they're a bit the thing, of everything and the thing with them is it helps so well having that real main crossover between tim armstrong and lars Fredriksson mm. because they both got such different different backgrounds yeah but yet they come together and it's just simply stunning yeah but that yeah. is one band that do need to come back over because it's been what the Sorry. last time they was over headlining was with Coxsparrow for the Sparrow's 40th anniversary and Branson's 20th or something. Yeah. So what was that like? 2012. Yeah. It's been a while. I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've never seen them. I've never been Have able you to not? see them. No. They are one of the bands that I'm desperate to go and see because the other year, just, uh, what was it? Slam Dunk 2019. I managed to get to see Bad Religion for the first time. Yeah. Because that was a fantastic day. That, that one at Slam Dunk. Yeah. 2019, it was, so you had uh, less than Jake. Yeah. You had the interrupters anti-flag. Because just that that one stage in particular was superb all day. Yeah. But then because I very much went into that with the mentality of like a lot of these bands I've seen before. Mm. So I'm going to try and see a bit of stuff that I haven't seen before. Mm. And one of the best sets I saw that day was, again, going back to the early 2000s stuff was Simple Plan. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. The simple plan was simply stunning that day. Yeah. I, I didn't, I can't remember where I was at that point. I, th I think you've read about the same sort of time as Bad Religion were on. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw Simple Plan back in the day supporting a band called Finch. Yeah. When they first came over on their tour. And then I <laughs> saw them support doing a double headliner with Brand New. Nice. Later. That was that was an amazing gig. That's the only <laughs> I could imagine. The first gig, I think it was their last night of their tour, brand new and um and and uh and simple plan. And it one of the bands, I can't remember who it was that closed, but both bands then came on and trashed all their kit. <laughs> it was the first time actually seen that done live. <laughs> But um, so what? What's what's what? I mean, you, you sound like you've you've been around like from the Sex Pistols at eleven years old or whatever. You yeah, know. were they one of the first big bands that you saw live? First gig that I went to was actually would have been November two thousand at Wembley Arena, and it was uh, Smashing Pumpkins' farewell tour. Oh wow! Okay, which was not a bad introduction to live music. Yeah, you can definitely go to worse gigs. 
and and again one of those bands that just stick with you and stick with you yeah they're just one of those super influential bands mm. have come back a couple of times since but you know yeah yeah excellent and and what who's who's been the band that's impressed you most would you say like live it's, it's difficult when you've seen so many but there's like the the lights of the Tropic Murphys are always are always such a good night and that is my answer. Yeah, and, <laughs> and the thing is that because they opened for the Pistols that day in two thousand and two, did they? And so I've I've seen that progression of them over the, over the past twenty odd years, mm. and so it's been fantastic to see them just getting bigger and bigger, better and better. Yeah, they're an amazing band. Every time I've seen them, they've just smashed it out of the park. You just don't get anyone like him life and it's become such a, a spectacle as well because and i know that there's a lot of people that don't like it but i really like how choreographed it is at times as well mm. it's like the goslaw swap over change sides and you've got the stairs and everything and everybody's all all regimented as it were yeah but it it, it always looks absolutely stunning yeah, one of my big things was always wanting to go over and see them in Boston on St. Patrick's Day. It's those, on the bucket list. Those gigs uh, just look mental. Because <laughs> <laughs> I went over to, because they did the uh, Paddy's Day in Dublin a few years back. Mm. And so I was lucky enough to go over for that one. And, and that was an incredible, like, the atmosphere in Dublin on Paddy's Day at Murphy's Gig was something else. I mean, the, the atmosphere on Paddy's Day in Dublin anyway is normally <laughs> like pretty high. But yeah. yeah, when you're seeing that band on, oh <laughs> man, that's makes me uh, really want to get back into a tight, sweaty venue again. Because like, <laughs> like they're, they're online, uh, St. Patrick's Day gigs have been good. I've watched it. It's missing the crowd. Week, but there's something you like... It's a co- it's a real communal experience. Like they mm. really, really do encourage the crowd to be part of it. Yeah, hundred percent. And they're a band where there is no like musician fan divide, mm. and they're very, very humble in that they know their roots and they want to like, give back as much to people as people give to them. Mm. Mm. yeah and they're incredibly socially conscious as well like i know they do a lot of work in the community back in yeah. in boston around the opioid pandemic that they've got going mm. on over there and stuff like they help out a lot with that kind of thing as well so yeah they're just they just seem like it's actually unreal what they do yeah absolutely um so yeah so you, you kind of you picked up a guitar at about 11 or so was it i think i've read yeah, somewhere probably about 11 or 12 or so because I remember it must have been about 11 the first time I picked one up. And you like you know what it's like when you first pick one up. It's like, oh, but it's making my fingers hurt. I don't really want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I put one down for about a year or so. And then ever since I was about 12, one hasn't really left my hand since. <laughs> when did you kind of start your first band up or join your first band? So first band would have been... Around about 2005, mm. in that, uh, just like a few mates from school, and we was actually uh, doing the school's Christmas concert. Mm. And three of us got together. We was like, "Tell you what, we're going to do. We're going to we'll, like, we'll do basket case for it." But then, uh, like, we'd been rehearsing it for ages until the music teacher came in and went, "Hang on, like, it's not really very, not really Christmassy." Is it? <laughs> and so we ended up doing um, "Merry Christmas" by Slade instead. Excellent, and it was, I, it was it was just a lot of fun to 
actually do that sort of thing. Mm. And then, yeah, no, it, it just developed from there. Like a couple of months later, we ended up getting a, like, a new guy in on, uh, on, on bass and, and, I, and I switched to guitar and the four of us played together for, for a good couple of years and like around the Medway scene. And I remember it'd be a hell of a lot of fun like playing Beacon Court Tavern on a, on a, on a Thursday night. Yeah, yeah. And then going to school the next morning and like, you just didn't think anything of it. And it was just, again, it was a great time to, to be doing that sort of thing because the way that venues have been closing down in Medway it's, it's such a shame and I think we were the last generation to really get to appreciate him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Beacon Court, for those of, who don't know, who aren't from the, the Medway area especially, it was like a legendary Medway venue. Like Everyone played there. It was where all the kind of local bands cut their teeth and uh, learned their trade, essentially. And it was such a shame. It must have been gone about 10 years now. About that. But then it was great because we all cut our teeth playing there, but then at the same time, occasionally we'd be lucky enough to get a big band play down there like UK subs like we had Sham 69 play down mm. there as well mm. and it's just such a shame that the place has gone because I've been lucky enough to play venues all around Europe and that I, I still say to this day that, that is in my top three places I've ever played <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> but yeah you're right it was it just it, there was a there was a feeling about the place there was like a real it was a proper venue, wasn't it? Like mm. it, it had it had like that soul and that spirit. Yeah, um, a little bit like um, Tunbridge Wells Forum, I guess. Yeah, which is basically a converted public toilet. <laughs> what a venue that is! Oh, I love it. The sounds always amazing. Their sound guy is great. Yeah, he's amazing. And again, you get massive bands play there. Yeah, like oh, who did I see there? It was Cancer Bats, but also yeah. at the same time, I played on a night. It was the night after the Cancer Bats had played there. I can yeah. never say that I've played on the same night, but I've played within <laughs> the, same, the same 24 hours. <laughs> nice. <laughs> to a much uh, emptier Tunbridge Wells Forum. Although saying that, like, I had a, a similar one a few years back when uh, I went down to see the King Blues there at, when they were at their, at their biggest. Yeah. And then I think that was on the Thursday and then played there on the on the Sunday. So <laughs> to like you say, it, like, a much sparser crowd, but... <laughs> But, but then you're like, oh, but, but this is where my heroes played a few days ago. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you get to kind of <laughs> soak that up a little bit as well. It's yeah. Like, it gives you a little bit more kind of like you, you hold your you hold your head a bit higher, don't you? you know? <laughs> That's one of the things with playing. It's like you step on a stage that you've seen like bands that you love playing on mm. and it just gives you such a good feeling. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Because, again, it's that whole like, oh, I'm I'm... I'm at the same level, like not like not at the same level, but I'm on the same playing field. Yeah. I suppose in a way it's kind of like playing for a Sunday football team and then getting the chance to play, I don't know, the Valley, let's say. Yeah. Let's let's keep it Chal- <laughs> let's keep it Charlton based. <laughs> I'll let you off for that one. Oh, of course, you're Jules, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. So I've got to be there. There's not many of us, but <laughs> I was just trying to pander to the uh, to the baddos and the gonads, basically. Yeah, because of course, like, going back to the Charlton, you got you got the thing with with Bushel where like, I remember him saying about the uh, about the Jill scarf thing once mm. that he goes, "I love having you in the band, but it's got to go." I went, "Gal." <laughs> I went, gal, if that goes, then I go. It goes, well, in that case, I better stay then. <laughs> and that's where, that, I guess, you know, that's a ringing endorsement. If, if, if there was 
that Gal allows you to wear a Gillingham scarf on stage. <laughs> yeah, let, let's talk about that a little bit because how, how long have you been in the gonads now? I've been there. Um, I think it was probably about 2017, 2018 I played my first gig with them because right. initially I was only filling in because because their bases couldn't do a couple of bits. Mm. And then it's kind of become a transition period where there are bases left and I've just been there ever since. Mm. Mm. And so, yeah, it, probably about 2017, I think it was, that, that I first joined them. And right they've just never got rid of me since <laughs> so how did you manage to get that gig because i suppose you were you've been playing in like bands around medway and stuff you were with a band called the the furry love lickers right yeah <laughs> <laughs> who i think swamp stomper played on a bill with but it was just before i'd started playing with them yeah oh. yeah because because that would have been again going back about two years or so ago now yeah yeah about that and it, it, it's always great to play with stop with with swamp stomper because they've just got so many good songs fantastic bands Absolutely. I, I love them. And the fact that I'm in there now is, is great. Yeah. So you've been playing around there. Then you kind of get into the East End Baddows as well. Yeah. Kind of the, they late 70s or early 80s. Uh, early bands. 80s originally. Yeah. And then they kind of they broke up for a while, but got back yeah. together in the early. What was it about? About mid 2000s. Yeah. With uh, was it the same lineup or was it like a completely new lineup but based around? It was. Pretty much a completely different lineup, right? And they've been kind of going from strength to strength mm. through the last few years. They've released a couple of bits over the years, haven't they? Yeah, because yeah. they've been like, like a couple of demos and, and that sort of stuff here and there, and been on a couple of compilations. But mm. our first album actually didn't come out until seventeen or eighteen. Mm. Mm. So it, it, it was mad that the band had been going nearly forty years before the debut album. Well, that's it, because like I was trying, I've, I've been doing a little bit of research yeah. into the band. I never like to do too much because I prefer mm. the guests to kind of tell the yeah. story. But it's always best to know a little bit about them. But yeah, I was surprised that like they'd never really cut any recordings until mm. really recently. And I guess that was, you know, lack of funds back in the day or not knowing where to go to get them cut. Mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's great. I, I, I really enjoy, I think there was a four track what is it? Is that the hard hits for Herbert that, EP? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that was mm. one one of the one of the albums I've been listening yeah. to. I've been listening to a little bit this week because that was one of the, the things that really got me into them. Because before joining the Bados, I was like, I'd become a really big fan, right? So it's it's a mad one, like playing with them because I was like going around and watching them, mm. and then all of a sudden I, I, I get asked to join, and it's like fucking, I'm like amazing. <laughs> That's cool, man. So was it that they just saw you, you know, knocking about at their gigs and stuff or, or had they seen so it? It was pretty much because I first saw them opening for Old Firm Casuals at the 100 Club in mm. uh, August 2016. And I was like, because they was the opening band that night. Mm. And it was them, Control, Running Right and Old Firm Casuals, which in in hindsight is a, is a stunning lineup. It was fucking hell, like, that was that was a great gig. <laughs> And they were opening and I thought, Jesus Christ, like, these guys are fantastic. So I ended up, like, checking checking more of the stuff out, going around to the gigs. And it was funny enough, a, a night that they were playing the Red Lion in Gravesend. Like, mm. 
I went along, I didn't know anybody. And ended up chatting to the singer for all the 30 seconds, bought a t-shirt, and I, as, as you do, just added them on Facebook and thought nothing more of it. Mm. And so uh, probably a few weeks or so later, I get a random message off of him, like 11 o'clock on a Monday night, just going, our bassist is leaving, like, I see you played, do you fancy giving it a go? <laughs> And the funny thing was that I was actually meant to be in work at half past five the next morning. <laughs> and I was like, fucking hell yes. So I ended up like staying up till about two o'clock in the morning, trying to learn as much as, as much as I could. When did they need you in? Did they need you in like the next day or something? No, <laughs> a couple of weeks after. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that was roughly the idea with um, when Paul joined Sham 69. They mm. were like, oh, we need a bassist here's 40 songs to learn yeah you're going on tour in two weeks and he's like, lots of sleep luckily i didn't have anything like that to go to yeah go but, but fair fucking place to pull for doing that yeah madness <laughs> madness so yeah so then you're you're playing with them for a few years and and i suppose is that mainly kind of uk based i assume yeah pretty much like we, we did the the um we did Belfast a few years back. We did Sweden, which was absolutely incredible. Done Kiel in Germany, which was, again, fantastic. So it, it, it's a lot of fun. That it's, it, it gives you weekends away as well, like mm. in places that you never thought that you'd, that you'd get to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because like, the, the one in Sweden was absolutely ridiculous because... I remember finishing work at midnight on the Friday, getting an early flight Saturday morning, playing a sold out gig Saturday night, coming home Sunday night and then back in work half past five Monday morning. Oh, and, and so, and, and, and so like, everybody's going, going to work. Oh, so you actually had a week, weekend off. What did you do? And I'm like, not a lot. Flew to Sweden, played a sold out headline show, come home again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and funny thing was like, you're saying this to people that don't know you play music and they're like, what the fuck are you going on about? And then they're like, if you're doing that, why are you still working here? Yeah, pretty much. That's the misconception, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> well, you played a sold out gig, like you must have earned loads. <laughs> nah, it, it, it's a weekend away and a bit of fun. End, end of the day, like, it's a laugh with your mates doing something that, that you enjoy doing. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're, you know, fortunate enough to be in a band that can command that kind of turnout as well. I mean, that must be a dream. I think the venue was about a 120, 150 capacity. Yeah. But it was mad having people come from all over Sweden for it. I mean, like, I remember someone telling me that they drove like four hours there, slept in the car, like in the snow in the car park, and then yeah. drove home the next day. Another guy had driven a, like, a six-hour round trip and was driving home that night. And it's like, you can't thank people enough for for doing stuff like that yeah. like it, it blows me away that people do it it's interesting isn't it that like mainland europe has got much more of a um a scene even for for kind of punk bands and stuff now but like the uk doesn't seem to have quite so much and it seems to have been the last i don't know 15 years maybe 10 years that like people don't turn out for gigs here anymore no and, and it's it's one of the things that going back to the Medway scene, it's been one of the real downfalls of the local scene because people just don't turn up to gigs anymore, mm. which is such a shame. Like unless you're a massive band, people don't 
people don't turn up. Yeah, yeah, it's a real shame, especially like you say that obviously there is a there is a want there because otherwise you wouldn't be flying out to Germany and Sweden mm. and stuff like that. You know, like it's just it's interesting that like the UK has lost that scene in a way, which, which is such a shame because there's so many good bands around at the moment as well. Like whether it is the bigger bands or whether it is the smaller ones, there's there's so many there's so many good bands and the thing that frustrates me about it is that because obviously the original punks aren't getting any younger yeah and so there needs to be that that transition period in getting the younger bands up there a bit more Mm. and and getting their fan bases up and it's, it's just frustrating to see because there's so much talent at the moment yeah and this year hasn't helped that either has it no definitely I mean, it's like you look at bands like Grade Two, who they are absolutely superb. They're, they're signed to Hellcat Records. Yeah. And it's bands like that that will catapult the UK scene again, or so I'd hope. Yeah, I think I've seen a couple of um, online adverts for them, like from uh, like Hellcat promos. Yeah. And um, I was like, who the hell are this? But why haven't I heard of these guys? Mm. They're great. Uh, they are superb and I just hope that when we've got the gigs back again like bands like that are going to be able to to get the crowds in that they deserve yeah definitely so yeah you're you're going around with you know East End Baddows you're 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 kind of doing gigs around the UK and around Europe um is that what gets you onto Gal's radar was it him who brought you in or was it one of the other guys in the gonads um because the thing is that Terry Hayes, the frontman in, in the East End Baddows, and Gary Busher were a, a really good old friends as well. So it, it, it was pretty much that, that that it was that that got me in there. Mm, mm. And was that another kind of depping situation, or was it that they had lost their bassist and you were going in as the so, guy? So originally with the going as it was depping, but it's it's one that's become it, it's become like a permanent thing now, mm. which, which is a hell of a lot of fun to be doing as well. Yeah, I can imagine, because, like, Gary Bushell is a name I think a lot of people know because he's been on TV and he's been writing mm. for the newspapers for years. Mm. But I don't know whether everyone knows that he's had the gonads and, and various other bands going since, like, 76 or 77 mm. and has been playing and, and, and the funny thing is, the funny thing with Gal is that if, if it wasn't for him, really, a lot of the Oi stuff would have never, like, developed. Like, he was instrumental in the in the UK heavy metal scene. Yeah. So people don't realise just how important he actually is to music. Yeah, I mean, I was reading, you know, earlier this week that he, he signed Twisted Sister to Secret Records. <laughs> yeah. And, like, he, he managed <laughs> um, Blood and the Cockney Rejects as well. Yeah. Helped them get record deals. Mm. And like, you know, without, I mean, admittedly, Twisted Sister isn't really my bag, but. But there's no denying how how huge they are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And like Cockney Rejects as well. You're like, oh shit, like these are, these are big names, you know. Yeah. How was that? I assume, had you been on like bills and stuff with them in the past or were you going in completely, you know, fresh? It, it was going in completely without knowing them, but it was weird because. Again, going back to my dad, he played guitar on a single of theirs back in about 1982. Mm. And so I'd grown up with that story of I played on a single for Gonads once. And then all of a sudden it's, yeah, but 
I actually play baseball and death. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's a, it's, it's a really weird, like, connection sort of thing. And Gal didn't even know that that was my dad. Right. Like, he, he, he didn't realise until I joined that that was, that that was a connection. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's really interesting. So two generations of the family has been in the same place. Yeah. But then it, it, it's funny being with them because they was actually the first oi band that I saw right. back in about 2008 when they opened for the Cockney Rejects. Mm. And I remember oi mate being a, being a track that really, really stuck in my head. Oi mate is and, brilliant. And, and so it's, it's now one of those songs that is fantastic playing it live because I've got that connection to it with, with my childhood. That's amazing. So it, it's, it's always a lot of fun. Like, but, really grateful to, to to have all of these experiences because mm. that that song in particular is one that i remember from listening to it years and years ago and it was only through obviously talking to you about coming on here i, I went back and listened to yeah you know the baddos and the gonads just to kind of get familiar with the with the songs and all of a sudden oi mate came on and i was like <laughs> fucking hell i remember this this is great <laughs> such a good song I assume Gary writes the lyrics, right? Yeah, like him mixed with, uh, there was Steve Kent, who was in the business, mm. uh, helped write a lot of the early stuff. And there's this guy, Clyde Wald, who he's still very much influential within the Gonads, who who helps write a lot of the stuff. But there's uh, different people doing different things and it all co- comes together and it works fantastically. Right, right. I uh, Just, yeah, just their lyrics are... Some some of those songs are so they're so funny, as well as like you know they're they're kind of it's social commentary, but it's got kind of tongue in cheek. But they also yeah. you know it's it's serious. Oh, because there's one that always makes me laugh. It's like um, everyone calls her Happy Mill because she's small, greasy, and cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. Like I, I love all that stuff. It's always been because again, going back to early years, Blink One Eighty Two, I loved because mm. they had a whole album, like the live album, the Mark, Tom, and Travis show, was basically just dick and fart jokes. Yeah, like there's a whole <laughs> section at the end. There's like fifty tracks of like <laughs> just them talking, like joking between songs and stuff. Mm. But then you know, going onwards and finding that you know some of these really serious bands like no effects for example yeah i love no effects because they're both very serious and really stupid at the same time Mm. (laughs) and i think that writing lyrics which i've done myself in the past but never to the extent where i think i've ever cracked it anyone who can write lyrics that are both social commentary but funny yeah it's an impressive it's an impressive feat to have yeah yeah definitely so with the Gonads, where have you played with them? Have you done much in the way of overseas stuff with them? Um, I don't, I've, I've done bits and pieces with them, uh, mainly around 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 like New Cross sort of area. We've done Hastings a couple of years back. 100 Club's always a fun one to do with them. Mm. But probably my favourite one that I've done with them was when we did Berlin, probably about two years ago now, two, three years ago now. And it was at the it was actually the warm up for Punk and Swordly Festival. Oh, really? And so it it was because oh, that was an incredible weekend because it's one of those 
it was such a bucket list city for me to go to and then to actually get to play there as well was was nuts mm. and like i remember it being fantastic because the venue was right across the road from the ramones museum oh wow which oh i was like fucking hell like as soon as i finished sound check you know i'm going straight over there yeah yeah oh that's amazing oh, it, it was just an incredible weekend it, I got to do what I enjoyed doing in the play and I got to do what I enjoyed doing in, in sightseeing. I got to see all of the Ramon stuff and it was, and then to go to the Punk and Sorderly Festival afterwards, uh, it's just perfect weekend. Yeah, no, it sounds, it sounds like a perfect little punk rock weekend. <laughs> but, um, you know, when, when you, when you go to these places, what I was talking about with Paul, especially is like, sometimes you don't get the chance to kind of see these places no definitely do you make a bit of an effort to try and kind of you know get out and see things try to as much as possible but 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 the thing with when you're doing it around work is that a lot of the time like you are flying in the day that you play and then flying home the next day Mm. which is where berlin was really lucky because we flew in on the thursday played thursday night and Mm. we were flying back on the saturday i think it was all right and so we had the friday at the festival in the evening but it was fantastic to actually like get up early, mm. walk around Berlin, see like see all of the sights and everything. And I probably spent about nine hours walking around before before just going to the gig in the evening. Yeah. And it, it was so nice to actually be able to do that. Mm. Like I say, normally you fly in, fly out, you don't get a chance to actually see it. And so it was nice to actually be able to to make the most of the time and and, and see a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean it's it's the same when I was, work, I, I'm, I've told the story on the thing, so I'll probably cut this out. But uh, it's uh, the same when I was working in journalism um, mm. for the magazine. Like, I get to go to kind of conferences and stuff in places like I've been to um, Milan, uh, nice Vegas, uh, LA, Austin, Texas. Amazing. And I'm lucky in a way because it's you, you, you're normally there for about three days, mm. but generally speaking, you're like, you're on a plane, you're in a hotel, you're then you're on a plane, you're in a hotel, then you go to the conference center and you don't really see much. And then you get back on a plane and you go, it's the same as gigging, yeah. really, you know, you're there to work. You're not there to see, mm. but I do try and get up really early and have a walk around these places. Yeah, right? definitely. Milan was one of those places for me. Like I had an absolutely wall-to-wall work schedule. Yeah. First morning I had off, I could spend, I think I didn't have to start, the, the event didn't start until about midday. Yeah. So I got up at seven and I just... Amazing. The whole of Milan when no one else was around. <laughs> Man, that place has got some architecture. I think it's like, it, it's got to be done though, isn't it? Because how often... it. Do, do you get to go to these places? Yeah, like you I'm, might as well make, make the most of it while you're there. Yeah, you never know when you're going to get that chance again. Mm. Um, one of my favourite places was Austin. Every single bar and restaurant mm. is a music venue as well. Okay. So, like, they've got a main street. And yeah. I suppose it's, I don't know, like a mile long. And yeah. almost everything on there is a bar or restaurant. And at a night, and every night, Mm. there is a band imagine that's incredible mate it's the best if you like if if you love music and and like it's in texas so it's in the south so you got a lot of blues and you've got a lot of 
you know, you got a lot of blues rock bands and stuff yeah. playing there. And it, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. <laughs> I'm des- desperate to go back at some point, but yeah, I could imagine. Yeah. When it all blows over, when everything blows over, man, it's so weird to think about, you know, that we haven't been able to do these things. And this is, this is another question that I've got, you know, I mean, how, how have you found kind of, you know, the last 12 months, both as like a person and someone who plays in a band, like a musician? In all honesty, tough and frustrating. Because at the end of the day, none of us have had any of our outlets that are what we enjoy. So in a way, it kind of has been robotically programmed, that sort of thing, that all we do is eat, work and sleep. Mm. And some of us aren't, haven't even been lucky to, to have the work bit to, 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 to change it all up. Mm. And it's been very, very frustrating working in retail in that time because people are frustrated and, and they take it out on, on people that don't deserve it. Yeah. I mean, like it's back, back last summer, there was a, a day when the public was speaking to my staff so badly that in the end, I, clo- I closed the door to my store. Wow. Just to, just to give, just to give everybody like an hour to, to calm down and chill out sort of thing because I had women that were nearly in tears because of how people were speaking to them. Yeah. And it got to the point where it's like, hang on, what's more important, a company sales or people's actual well-being? Yeah, yeah. And like, I got an absolute bollocking for it, but still to this day, I stand by it. I mean, but, not many managers would do that, I can tell you. No. Having having worked in retail <laughs> for a few years myself, you know. <laughs> like, end of the day you've got to do what what's what's best for the people around you mm. but but then like it it has been a very very fr- frustrating year because we haven't had the gigs to go to we haven't had the football to go to where we can go and like let off steam yeah and so there is so much like pented up frustration that you just want to get back doing it again yeah. and i can imagine that, that you're the same that so many times during the day you're thinking about that next time that you're on stage and, and you hit that first note for the first time. Oh man. <laughs> it's going to be so good when it happens. I, it is. And that's the thing. I think I cannot imagine how mental the first couple of gigs are going to be. hundred percent. Like, Cause it's going to be, the performers are going to be absolutely fucking chomping at the bit. Yeah. Like unleash all this energy. And yep. the crowd is going to be exactly the same. Like hundred percent people that go to gigs you know on a regular basis are people who enjoy going to gigs on a regular mm. basis and they haven't had it for 12 months yeah and the, and the thing is like it's not just that but a lot of it is is the social aspect and there's people that you only see at gigs that we haven't seen for for over a year now yeah yeah definitely and things like zoom for example or or, or whatever have been a bit of a lifeline you know yeah. had had this happened five years ago even like the technology would it would have been a hell of a lot tougher yeah yeah but it it's not the same and like i said about the dropkick murphy's gigs earlier on and various other kind of zoom gigs that i've watched mm. they're all right but they're not great because yeah. you're not there you're not experiencing it 100%. You're, not, you're not shoved in next to two massive skinheads. <laughs> <laughs> And, and like, the thing is, like, 
even when you're, you're six foot tall, I still always manage to get stuck behind that camp. It's even taller than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, that's great to hear because I'm only five and a half feet and I often think like is it just like it, to be a half a foot taller would be would be amazing but okay good it happens to you too right. and, and the thing's like when you're tall you don't want to be like you don't want to be at the back you want to be down the front and of course because you just want to be in with the atmosphere and always like, you always get stuck behind someone that's taller yeah yeah <laughs> there's always a bigger fish <laughs> so what was the last band that you saw before lockdown well luckily when restrictions were lifted because there was a few gigs going on here and there wasn't there yeah there were i got to see do you know the band from Grey's End 3 dbs down yeah 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 yes yeah, so i saw them at, um, at the red lion back in mm must have been start of september mm. which again as you can imagine after like nearly six months of of no live music that was that was incredible mm. but the last one that before everything kicked off would have been dropkick murphy's in paris oh back, wow. in, back in february okay which was a fantastic weekend mm. yeah i bet it, wow. it was with frank turner was supporting oh, fucking brilliant. and yeah. there was a guy called Jesse Ahern opening just it, it was just him and a guitar mm. and I, I was chatting like chatting to him after like, after his set and he was saying that he was driving himself around Europe right. his own tour guy his own like his own merch guy he was his own guitar tech right. like that's DIY was, as fuck isn't it was, it was amazing <laughs> and, and he's playing like he ends up playing Alexandra Palace wow. and he's the one like driving himself around <laughs> absolutely unreal but i tell you what he's taken home all that money like he's got no other <laughs> staff to pay do you know what i mean <laughs> but, but that is a, a, a guy that's that's definitely worth checking out because he's got a lot of country sounding stuff he's he, mm. he's got some some of the punkier sounding sounding crossover stuff what was the name again uh jesse ahern jesse i'll, I'll have to do it. i'll have to send you a link over yeah do that do that um, if he's anything like Frank Turner or Frank Turner's earlier work anyway, mm. like, cause Frank is oh, <laughs> one of, he's like, I've never known a songwriter to write songs that I can relate to Yeah, almost 100% of all his songs. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like Love Iron Song was where I jumped on board with him. Yeah. And I've got Long Live the Queen tattooed on my chest. Nice. Cause that song uh, is about a friend of his who's, who dies early. Yeah. And it came out the year a friend of mine uh, passed away, sadly, mm. at the age of like 23. Yeah. And then that song came out and a bunch of us, we all heard it around about the same time. And we started kind of messaging each other being like, have you mm. heard this song? Like, it's yeah. exactly what we're all going through. 100%. Oh man, and that whole album is absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, I, I love Frank Turner. Frank Turner is a god to me in the songwriting stakes. Because <laughs> it, it, it must have been around about the England Keeps My Bones album that, that, I, that I discovered him. Yeah. I, th I think the, the first song of his that I've really heard was uh, Peggy Sang the Blues. Okay, yeah, yeah. And the man's just got an incredible voice. Mm. But then I, I really like with him that like his roots in punk music, because I remember it, like, hearing him say once that 
he won a scholarship to Eton. That's right. But he was like a working class kid and he got picked on for being the poor kid. Yeah. And that was how he got into into the punk music. Yeah, yeah. Because he was an outsider and then from yeah. that kind of outsider music. <laughs> well, yeah, Million Dead were the last band to play at Astoria before it closed as well. Mm. So I think he was, yeah, the last band to play there before the Astoria. Oh, you know. So, yeah, and like... And, and again, a venue that's, <laughs> that's so missed. Yeah, absolutely. What an amazing venue. I mean... Yeah, that and Brixton Academy. If Brixton ever goes, that'll be it for me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed it doesn't because it's on the bucket list to play. Yeah. I, oh, man, wouldn't it be great? <laughs> but yeah, I think I saw Frank Turner play at Hammersmith Apollo. Yeah. And he broke a microphone. Okay. With his voice. Nice. Like he sang, <laughs> like, he, he was, I can't remember what song it was, but the mic suddenly cut out and that to change. Mm change mics over because he'd blown <laughs> he's got such they, a loud and powerful voice but it, it's it is a stunning voice mm. like the man's range is incredible yeah and, it, and then they put on such a show as well yeah his uh his backing band i think they were a band called dive dive okay they're a band in their own right and then he got them in to record if it wasn't love iron song it was england keep my bones yeah and then they just became his touring band, and now they are the Sleeping mm. Souls as well. But I think they still record stuff as Dive Dive. Okay, I'll have to have a look. So, yeah, they're an interesting band. They're not quite the same mm. kind of music, but they're a really good band, really tight. And yeah, like you say, when they're all together, they put on such a show. Yeah. So now that lockdown is seems to be lifting, everyone's getting their jabs and stuff. I know that you know people of our age or around our ages aren't getting theirs till a little bit later down the line. What are the plans with the Baddos and the Gonads? In all honesty, with, with the Baddos, like we've taken it at the moment as we're not going to book anything until we know that there is a complete, all clear with everything. Because we don't really want to be booking stuff and then it all gets cancelled and, and all that sort of thing. Like yeah. we're, we're meant to be doing Rebellion in August, but like everything at the moment, whether that happens or not, is is still up in the air. Yeah. But with the gonads, there's booking slowly starts coming again. We're meant to be doing New Crossing in June. And I think it's actually going to be just before mm. 21st. So it's, it's going to be one of the last like socially distanced sort of gigs. Right. And then we've just been booked for a weekend down in Ilfracombe in, in Devon. In, oh, yeah. in February, which will be one a lot of fun to look forward to. Mm. Yeah, those uh, those kind of West Country gigs yeah. are always a good laugh. It's a lovely area of the country. It is. I love it down there. I really do. New Cross Inn was the last place I played. Really? Like literally a week before mm. lockdown was... Uh, I, I really like that venue. I love it there. It, it, it's, it's a great little venue and it's so up and coming. I mean, like... Paul Smith and B-Sharp Promotions in particular, they've really taken that venue and made it unreal. I mean, yeah. some of the bands that, that they're getting down there now, it blows my mind. I mean, it's like I saw, I saw Goldfinger there. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are Goldfinger doing playing there? <laughs> but the thing was, it, it, it wasn't just Goldfinger. It was like the lineup that they had was ridiculous because it's 
uh, Mike Herrera from MXPX on bass. There was the drummer from Betrayal, and they've got the horn section from Real Big Fish. Bloody hell. <laughs> and you've got all of these people just walking around New Cross. That's mad. <laughs> is, that, is that who's in Goldfinger at the moment? It's pretty much John Feldman and Mike Herrera. And I think it's like revolving musicians around them. I, 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 think, the, um, I think their original guitarist is playing with them now. Right. But the last time I saw them at Brixton, they had the drummer from Newfound Glory. Which right. again, going back to the early 2000s, it's like, fucking hell, that's amazing. Goldfinger were one of those bands that I discovered at a Reading Festival. Yeah. When my mates were like, oh, we've got to stick around for this band. They're great. And I was like, I've never heard of them. <laughs> and by the end of it, I was like, fucking yeah. hell, I'm converted. Like, this is... Incredible live band, band isn't they? Yeah. So good. Like, how, so how has a man of that age got that much energy? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. I've got a stitch just watching it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, all those, you know, a, a lot of those bands, it's like the Wild Hearts. So I often yeah. wonder how they managed to carry on going and, you know, through all their kind of ups and downs and mm. what have you. But they're, they're an incredible live yeah. band to watch. And, and funny enough, like, the last time I saw them was with Paul Brightman. Yeah, he's a massive fan, isn't he? And also Ian, the drummer, as yeah. well. Yeah, me and Paul went down to, uh, to Dover to see him a couple of years back. Mm. I remember him talking about that mm. gig. The yeah. night that, um, that Danny the bass just like, just after the encore, threw his bass off and stomped off. And, and yeah. just going, well, sorry, guys, but I guess that's the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> you almost sign up for that going yeah. to the Wild Hearts sometimes, <laughs> don't you? They're, they're one of those kind of unpredictable bands, aren't mm. they? <laughs> but they make some bloody good music. 100%. And that, and that latest yeah. album they put out had some stunning tracks on it's one of their best ones yeah. <laughs> easily like it's it's crazy and they've they've done it during the hardest year mm. to kind of get stuff like that done yeah. it's just you know the work ethic of those guys is is insane Are either of the bands planning on recording stuff um nothing set in stone with the baddos at the moment I, I, again i just think we're going to wait till everybody can can get back together with with that one before we start getting stuff together because even at the best of times, it, it's tough to get everybody together because you've got me and my dad down this way. You've got a singer in South End and a guitarist and drummer who were in Devon. So oh, wow, really? So it's a bit bit tricky to get everybody together. But with, with the going ads, there's always uh, stuff being recorded going on. Um, mm. I think we're recording something in a couple of weeks. So we recorded something not long ago. Um, right. in, in all honesty, I just... I have no idea what releases are going to be. What I just turn up to do what I've got to do. And fuck <laughs> off. I mean, like <laughs> to sum it up, like we went into the studio. It must have been last summer, like when there wasn't as many restrictions going on. Yeah, and um, it had literally been us as musicians had been told kind of what Gary wanted, but we had to get into the studio, write this pretty much, write the music, record it and go, which was quite an experience. Yeah. <laughs> when it's like, we had three tracks to do in a day, but we had no previous rehearsal or any idea how it was going to sound. <laughs> wow. That's the kind of, that's a, that's a pressure cooker situation. Just a little bit. <laughs> 
<laughs> How did it turn out? Yeah, all right. All right. Have they been released? Yes, that was on a on a split. It was the Gonads and Gary Bushell experience split to come okay. out around about Christmas last year. I can't remember what the exact EP was called, but it was something like Give the Dog a Bone. Typical Gonad stuff. <laughs> and so it wasn't recorded remotely with everyone doing their bits at home or whatever and being mixed elsewhere. You actually got into a uh, yes yeah, yeah like, mm. we, we were lucky to actually get together before everything completely closed down again yeah because it was literally like a month or two wasn't it mm. <laughs> like, things started opening back up yeah. and then just before christmas the shutters came down again yeah but then it, it is always a lot of fun to get into into that studio in particular uh, perry vale studios because mm. again it, it goes back to the the thing of playing the venues that bands that you love have played because it's like recording at the place that the bands that I love have played. Like yeah. recording somewhere that the likes of Cox, Sparrow, Bose and Glory, Archie Barge, all of those sorts of bands have, have recorded. So for, right. so for me, as a, as a musical fanboy, it's great to be able to do that sort of stuff. And the guy, Pat Collier, who, who records there, was the original bassist in the Vibrators. Oh, wow. So it, it's like such a... Like everyone in the Oisin goes there, but it's such a, such a pleasure to, to be there at the same time. Wow, that's incredible. Because the vibrators really are kind of like punk rock royalty as well, yeah. aren't they? They were there from the very beginning as well. And it's funny, this is this is one of the things that I've learned through doing this podcast. That initial scene was so small mm. that like, I mean, even as I say, this is going to probably go out after I've released the Adam and the Ants yeah. one. But I think one of the guys who ended up being in the Ants was in the vibrators at one point. Okay. Gary Tibbs one of the bassists yeah. who was also in Roxy Music as well. Okay. And it's like, you don't expect someone from the vibrators to be playing in the ads. No. But like, <laughs> it was such a small community of people, but it's all about being in that area. It's just something yeah. about that scene that is, if you're in that place, you're probably going to have played in this band or that band. Yeah, definitely. But then at the same time, it's not too much different from how it is now in, in, in the US scene in that, You've got the likes of Daryl Smith that play in, in both um, Archie Bargy and Cox Sparrow. You've got Ray Dust that plays in, in, in Archie Bargy and Knuckle Dust. You've got the likes of my mate Fish, who was in the last incarnation of the business before Mickey Fitz passed away, and now he's in, in Arch Rivals. And you see right. so many people playing in, in different bands. I mean, like, you've even got one swap from Medway that's, that's in both East and Paddock with the Gomez. I mean, like, there, there's so many crossovers that... Yeah, and it must be great having kind of grown up on that music as well to then be involved in the scene. 100%. And in some of the bands that have been going for 40-odd years, mm. 50 years in some cases, you know. I mean, it's like one of my favourite ever moments was the last time we did Rebellion, and I'm looking at, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the crowd, because that's a festival that I've been going to since I was 18. And so it had always been like bucket sort of thing to play there. And so I'm, I'm still on stage and I look down at the crowd and I see my mates Jake and Lewis that I've been going to the festival with for the best part of 10 years, stood next to Steve Bruce from Coxborough. <laughs> and so it's like, fucking hell, like... All the worlds are colliding. Yeah, and it, it was just one of those moments that I just took a step back and I was like, fucking hell, like, I couldn't be more appreciative of this moment if I tried. 
Uh, it sounds brilliant, mate. Like living the dream. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun around work. And it's just fortunate that a lot of the people that I grew up listening to, I'm now lucky enough to call friends of mine and I've been lucky enough to share stages with. And it's something that on a daily basis, I am really genuinely thankful for because there, mm-hmm. there's so much stuff that I've been lucky enough to do over the past few years that I never thought that I'd get to do in my lifetime. Yeah, it sounds like you've had some incredible kind of uh, experiences mm. out of it. And hopefully, you know, many more to come. Fingers crossed. Once everything is back opened mm. up and uh, we can get back out there and play. Yeah, definitely. But I know, obviously, you've been working throughout this period as well. And, and I think people working in retail have not been given quite the same. And, you know you could argue rightly quite the same as, you know, medical staff and stuff. But at the end of the day, retail staff, drivers, like bus drivers or yeah. whatever, have still had to get out there and, yeah, you know, face face the public. And I think, you know, it's something that should be commended. Like you guys have had to <laughs> stick it out there and also have, have the abuse as well that people have unfortunately been offloading probably because it's, it's all that underlying it's, it's stuff. Just, and it's so many stuff. frustrations. Yeah. What I'd like to see really is once this is over, people, definitely NHS workers, mm. but also any other key workers, you know, teachers, retail staff, whoever has been working customer facing yeah. through this entire year, I think they need to be given a pay rise <laughs> or they need to be given like extra holiday or something. Oh, you know? It would be nice, wouldn't it? Because I can only imagine what kind of a year it's been. I've been one of the lucky people, mm. or lucky, to be put on furlough and get paid to sit on my ass and start up a podcast like yeah. this and and really indulge in my hobbies and chill out a bit. I mean, because it's weird that it's been, like, between me and my other half, there's been such a, because she's been furloughed the whole time. Right. And so it's been weird because I've had that frustration of I just need some time off. I need a break. And she's had yeah. that frustration of I just need to get back to work because I'm, 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 do because I'm bored shitless. Yeah. And, and there must be a little bit of tension there as well. Cause you're <laughs> nah, like, never, because never. <laughs> <laughs> my other half is a teacher. Yeah. So like, you know, she's had to go into school and there have been COVID cases. Yeah you know the the social distancing isn't what is being talked about it's not as effective as people make out you can't socially distance a school no regardless of staggering start times or break times or whatever you're Mm. still in a room with 30 other kids all from different households or with brothers and sisters in different years and and all that kind of stuff and then getting used to the homeworking you know, home learning and all that kind yeah. of stuff. It's been, it's been a tough old year. It's been and a very, been very strange time. time. Just thinking back to it, you know, every day for the last year, we've been told how many people have died in this country yeah. on the news. And, you know, a year and a half ago, if you'd have told me like, you know, the, the apocalypse is going to be this thing that's quite mundane and a bit boring. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's been a funny old year. It's been a strange one that, on the whole, has been mentally challenging. But then at the same time, at least we've had home comforts. Mm. And 
we've had stuff like your zooms and and all that sort of stuff as shit as as it can be like with with social media for example because everybody can still keep in touch yeah so even though it's been tough not seeing people there's still been a lot of a lot of home comforts and it's in a way even though it's not a a nice thing that that we've all been through at least how do I want to say this without sounding like a like a dick at at least it has been comfortable in a way yeah because and, and it's like it's like saying earlier like if we had this five years ago would it have been the same? Mm. I think, you know, not being able to see people five years ago would have been harder because there aren't these methods through which we can chat and see each other. Mm. And I think, yeah, maybe, who knows whether you'd have had more civil unrest or less. I'm not really sure. Or more or less people breaking the rules, and, yeah. you know, because people are desperate to see each other. Yeah. Like we've said, this, is, this isn't the same as uh, seeing people in real life. No. And I think it's going to take a long time for people to get used to mixing with people again, you know? Mm. Like there's this weird thing where like you're still keeping your distance in the streets and stuff. And I wonder how long that's going to last. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, it's like you go to the supermarkets still and there's still such a, that thing of you've got your people that want a distance, but then you've got the people that are too fucking selfish and still try and climb over you and it's one of those things that when you are that, that person that wants to keep the distance that it, it, it does get incredibly frustrating and then especially when you're trying to work in that environment and you've got like in some kind that's trying to like walk at you without having any any manners or whatever and then trying to trying to lean straight across you and it's like hang on like i know i'm like pale as fucking and i'm so white that i make snow look tanned but i'm not a fucking ghost (laughs) i i felt exactly the same way like early days during the pandemic i remember going to a supermarket and social distancing was really being enforced at that time like this particular this particular supermarket had people at the end of the rows telling you to kind of keep your distance and all this yeah and the amount of people who were just absolutely not having it and were yeah kind of brushing past you and all this i genuinely started to have a bit of a panic attack one time mm. it put so me I feel off going out because i'm i'm a bit prone to kind of social anxiety yeah. anyway which is weird for someone who's in a band and a massive show off <laughs> uh, but then like, I, I get exactly what, exactly what you mean because i'm exa- i'm exactly the same there's so many like social situations that in my head i think Fucking, hell, I can't do that. But then I can get on stage in front of like Christ knows how many people and 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 be the biggest fucking poser there is. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen some of your Instagram posts. I've seen some of those poses that you throw. It's a basis pose, you know, widest legs as possible, leaning right the fuck back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this this is why I knew we'd get on. Yeah. As well. But then, because the thing is that. My thing in my head with when I'm going on stage is I want to be the best live band in the scene. And so yeah. that's what I want to be doing. Like, I want to be, I don't want to just be playing on stage. I want to be down in the pit at times as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, 
there's been quite a few times when I've been known to just completely go off and be in the middle of the pit while still playing. <laughs> but I, I don't know how it sounds or, or, or anything, but, <laughs> but I'm having fun. Yeah. And having that kind of hobby there mm. as well over the last year has been a real kind of saviour as well, because you can just kind of throw yourself into learning all sorts of new songs. Yeah, and, definitely. You know, writing songs, perhaps, if you're that way inclined. I'm the same. And I would, I'd love to get Swamp Stomper and, and the Baddos or someone on the same bill. Yeah, definitely. Because a, a Swamp Stomper booked for Kimbo Fest, you know. I don't think so, and I don't know why. Okay. I think we should try on there. Because I, I get the impression that those two bands together would have the most lively bassists <laughs> you've ever seen. Because <laughs> the Furry Lovelick is a book for, for that. And oh, so right, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just looking forward to playing locally again. Mm. So you are still with the Furry Lovelick, yeah. is it? Right. Uh, we, we tend to do like the one-off gig a year or so. Right. Because the thing with them was when I joined the Baddos, uh, it was when they were coming to the end of their time anyway. And so Silas Singer kind of called quits on that band. But then it, it was one of those things of we never really wanted to, to give up sort of thing. And so ever since then, we don't, we've done like the yearly one-off gig just for, just for old time's sake. And it's, and it, especially when I'm someone that I try and be really humble about like everything that I've been able to do. I love going back to those guys because if it wasn't for joining them, I would have never gone on to any of the stuff that I've been able to do now. Mm, it's the roots. Yeah, 100%. And it's always a lot of fun being able to play Midway again. That's the thing that we've always been lucky about around here. That there is so much talent. Yeah. And whether it's when we was younger, whether it's now, there's always been so many superb bands. Absolutely. I mean, I grew up in Maidstone. Okay. And there was always a fairly lively scene there, but Medway was always... Uh, One Day Earlier were from around there, weren't they? Yeah. Who was still incredible. I mean, yeah. like, So Far So Good is a song that is so incredible that after those harmonies, I just stand back and laugh because it's like, how the fuck have you done that? Yeah. That and uh, Henry's Cat is the other one that we yeah. always try to play from the really old days. Mm. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're an incredible band because they, they also do a covers band called Brothers from Another Cover. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. They're bloody brilliant as well. I love those guys. I've known them for years yeah. and years. And years. Um, but yeah, it was one day early at Cobra Kai were another band yeah. that used to go for a while. And then, yeah, there was us high frequency. We used to be about a bit yeah. as well. Because again, look, at that sort of time, like, and some of the bands are still going now, like, there were so many incredible bands. Like you had your one day earliest. You got your three DBs down who were who, who put that album out last year, last year started this year. That was absolutely incredible. Mm. I remember Life Sentence, who were a superb metal band. There was just so many good bands around that time. And being in Medway, it was around that um, Beacon Court sort of scene, and, and yeah. there was a lot of stuff that I don't know if you know him, uh, Anthony Martin. Don't know because he puts on a lot of charity gigs and like he very much like or at least in my eyes at the time he very much brought a, a lot of those sorts of bands together, right? And it, it okay, was, again like going back to it, uh, we just grew up in such a, a good time for music, mm. and I, I think to an extent we were, like I said earlier, well, we were the last 
of a fortunate generation. Yeah, it was before Spotify really kind of cheapened music mm. to the point where it's, you know, you've, you've got to get the listener hooked within the first 10 seconds yeah. or else they're skipping by your stuff. Live bands were the thing. Mm. I kind of hope that there's going to be some really good art that comes out of lockdown. Yeah, definitely. Because there's so much time that people are going to kind of spend writing. Yeah, and I'm 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 interested to hear the progression of things. Like the the most annoying thing for me, for example, was that Swamp Stomper we were supposed to be recording okay. back in. We were supposed to be playing a really cool show with like um, a band called Janice Stark up in London. Yeah, their lead guy is Gizbutt, yeah. who was in The Prodigy, he was their live guitarist for years. Um, and then I, I didn't realize that he was in the Prodigy. Yeah, yeah, he was the live guitarist of the Prodigy in the kind of late nineties, okay, two oh, thousands. He used to go around in like he used to basically dress like a Sex Pistol. We had the Jack shirt and all that. <laughs> the Prodigy are fucking brilliant, yeah. and they always had that kind of punk energy to them mm. anyway. And they're they're one of my favorite bands to have ever seen live. I've seen them a couple of times. Yeah, I can imagine that they was incredible live. <sighs> yeah, just a bit. But yeah, we were going to play with them and then we were going to go into a studio in like, what was it, May or yeah. May or May or June? And we were going to be putting an album together and we were getting gigs together. It was like yeah. momentum. Momentum last year was really on the up. Mm. And um, that's the thing though, because all of this has, has killed so much momentum. Yeah, unfortunately, it's and and again, the fear is that a lot of places are going to be opening up, but not going to be able to get capacity. So are yeah. the gigs going to be going? You know, I really, really hope that something is worked out. Hundred mm. um, percent. I, th I think it's going to go. Initially, it will go one of two ways. It's, it's going to be either people are going to be sceptical about going out, or people are going to go out even more because they're going to want to get back what they've missed out on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But then it, again, it goes back to what we were saying earlier of when it is back again, and you've got those people that do that for, for the enjoyment, those crowds are going to be nuts. Mm. Yeah. And that's what I'm really looking forward to seeing mm. is uh, hopefully full houses and hopefully, you know, audiences going nuts and it will be maybe Kimbo Fest will be, the touch, you know, see how things are going to mm. go. So, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to come down and see the furry love liquor. I'll does. definitely try and get down there. I'll get you a beer. If Swamp Stomper are on the bill as well, then I'm sure we'll be, a, we, you know, we'll definitely be hanging out at some point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, it, it's, it's such a shame that you weren't playing with Swamp Stomper the last time we played with them because another of the bands on that night was Manic and the Mad Cats, which calls oh, yeah, yeah. Paul Crowhurst. So it, it would have been like a real like swamp stomp in the height. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they are they're another brilliant band. Yeah. I love Malik and the Mad Cats. Yeah, it was it was at a time when I was depping and it they weren't sure like what the deal with Greg was. Yeah. Like because he'd literally just had a kid. Right. And so like I depped for a few goes. Yeah. And then that gig I really wanted to play, but he could play. Oh, fucking hell. And so it was one of those I could have been there, but I wasn't. Yeah. I think maybe I had something else on as well, which is another reason that I definitely went with Greg in the end. Yeah. It happens, doesn't it? 
And yeah, exactly. And we'll we'll be on a show together yeah. soon. I'm sure. You know, it, it must happen. Uh, definitely. Point. But yeah, fingers crossed. Twenty twenty one is going to be the year that kind of kickstarts back into it. Even if we've got to wait until a little while later. And then, and then, of course, twenty twenty two is going to be the one where everything really is back in full swing. Well, there's a lot of bands starting to put out, like I think The Offspring put on social media today that they were coming over in 2022. Bad Religion and Cox Sparrow, yeah. I think, are playing together in 2022 as well, which was supposed to happen last year. Is that year. the one that's in Spain, the Bad Religion and Cox Because the one with The Offspring is with The Hive support as well, which is going to be yeah, I know. nuts. Yeah, The Hives are a brilliant live band mm. as well they put on a great show and I've seen the offspring live once yeah. at Reading and they were on, I think it was Oh four. Yeah. Jay Z was supposed to be headlining and he pulled out. So they moved the darkness oh, from yeah. the, from the radio one tent to the main stage. But the darkness at that point had basically had one album right. for a Christmas song. <laughs> But they put them above the offspring who at yeah. the time had nine albums. Yeah, no. And I was like, <laughs> should you not have maybe put the darkness below yeah. and move the because um the offspring came on and did like the greatest hits of all greatest hits. Yeah. And it had like pyrotechnics and nice. fireworks. And they had a t-shirt cannon and all that kind of bother, <laughs> Amazing. You know? And they were brilliant. And the darkness came on and they were good. But because it was not. It wasn't their set, so they didn't have all the big... Yeah. They tried a bit of fireworks and it didn't really work. <laughs> it just wasn't big. Like, it was just occasional bits of, yeah. you know... It, it tried to be big, but didn't quite, didn't quite get it. Yeah. And they were playing their songs off the first album. Then they started, like, playing songs off the upcoming second album. Yeah. But none of the songs were finished, and the couple didn't even have <laughs> vocals. So, like, they yeah. were making shit up on the main <laughs> stage of Reading. And yeah, I think me and my friends we stayed for "Get Your Hands Off My Woman." Yeah, is a brilliant song. <laughs> and uh, we left, and we went to the smaller stage, the Carling stage, and we eventually ended up seeing this band that was like a secret headliner. Yeah, it turned out to be Kasabian, right? And in this tiny, the tiny tent in Reading. <laughs> That's mad. Like just before they really broke big. Mm. And I remember seeing them and being like, like people were there with massive flags with that, you know, that the first album they had that face with the scarf. Yeah. Mask on over the face. You know. (laughs) Someone had a massive flag and doing all this. I was like, they had lasers. (laughs) I was like, who the fuck are these guys? And then like a month or two later, they dropped that album. And I mean, that was that was incredible. But yeah, uh, you know, hope, hopefully. <laughs> Talking talk, talk of the secret bands, I've, I've got to say the only one that I ever saw was again like that year at Slam Dunk when Busted played. Right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember sticking around for that and being like, Busted, fuck. Although like, it, it was kind of like, it's Busted, like, I've got to go, go and see a song. But then Mad Caddies were on at the same time. It's like, do I see Busted? Do I see Mad Caddies? Yeah, I stuck about for the opening of Busted and I fucked off yeah. and saw Mad Caddies instead. <laughs> and again, Mad Caddies were superb. Yeah, They didn't do drinking yeah. for 11 that, that afternoon for some reason, but they were still superb. I was up at the one in Leeds. Oh, yeah. They, they didn't play it there either. But again, what a, what a band they are. Yeah. 
again, like one of my most memorable sets that I've ever seen was them at Punk Rock Holiday in Slovenia a couple of years back. Oh, right. And I remember get, getting there, like, suffering from hate stroke, and they, they, they were headlining. <laughs> and so I'd fucked off back to my tent because I just couldn't, <laughs> couldn't do anymore. And I woke <laughs> up to, like, hearing them. Like, I thought, fucking hell, like, I'm actually fine. I went around, and they, they ended up playing for about two hours in the end. Because there was no curfew, and it, it was in the middle of nowhere. They kept looking yeah. over to the um, like, to the organisers, going like, "Can we carry on?" And, and the organisers were just like, "Yeah, carry on for as long as you want." <laughs> but but it, if you get the chance, you've got to get over to Punk Rock Holiday in Slovenia. It is the it's it's the most remarkable festival. If you like if you like a club show, you'll love it because it, it's fucking bizarre. Because there's like there's no barriers at the front. But there's just right. a ledge in front of the stage for people to stage dive off of. <laughs> <laughs> and like stage invasions and crowd surfing are, are encouraged. <laughs> oh, it's something that you just don't get anymore, no. isn't it? Like... But I, I saw um, like Bad Religion over there and they did um, Suffer in Full with the mm. best of the rest sort of thing, wow. which was a great way to end. If you get the chance, I definitely do it at some point. Mm. especially when when we can again because because i got my ticket booked for, for the next one and even on the warm-up show they've got refused headlining wow <laughs> refused as a warm-up <laughs> it's like refused with um the real mckenzie's okay <laughs> it's like what, what so who's going to be on the main who's going to be on the main headline then I think it is refused, but like I just can't wait for, for that moment when new noise kicks in and that whole place goes absolutely batshit crazy. That's great. <laughs> oh, man. Like imagine, imagine that song kicking in with no barriers. <laughs> it's been so many years since I've been to a gig where there haven't been barriers yeah. or like a massive void between like the stage yeah. and the crowd. It's weird because you're there and it, it kind of feels like you're at a festival because it's like outdoors and it's in the middle of nowhere. Mm. But then it kind of feels like you're at the Camden Underworld at the same time. Which is another great venue. Like, it, it's fucking fantastic because you've got like the main stage only operates like from six in the evening or so. And they've got a, um, like a beach and everything where everybody just, just chills out during the day. Oh, wow. It's like, it is, it's called punk rock holiday. <laughs> it is a holiday. I'm there. I've never even heard Have of it. Have you not? No. hundred quid a ticket for four days. Wow. It's actually ridiculous. But it, it's weird because during the afternoons, there, there, there is a, like a new band stage. And one of the bands that I saw on there that year was Spoilers. Right. Eric Cole's local band. It's like these guys that I've known for years, I'd never I'd never actually seen Spoilers. And the first time I see it was a thousand miles from home. <laughs> How bizarre. <laughs> like go that far away and they're they're they're, <laughs> they're, they're the entertainment. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. It's like um, <laughs> Call Me Malcolm played there last year. Really? Or, 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 or whenever the last one was. Yeah, yeah, call me Malcolm Blade. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I, need to, I need to get on this. It's incredible. 
because I've just had a bloke moving up the road from us. I was talking to him the other day as he was moving stuff in and he does a lot of rigging oh, yeah. stages and, and at festivals and stuff. And he's pretty confident that Reading and Leeds are going ahead this year. Right. So it'd be interesting you know, to see. Late August, early September. Mm. Fingers crossed. The thing is, like, at the moment, all we can do is take every day, day by day. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like on, on, on the one hand, it's, it's frustrating that you don't know what's coming. But mm. at the same time, like the way that I, I try and look at it at the moment is that every day is a day close to freedom. Whether you know when, when that freedom is or not, every day is another day closer. I mean, like hopefully with next week and everything starting to reopen a little bit, everything will be kind of normal again. Yeah. As long as there's not another spike. Yeah. Which hopefully there won't because people are getting their vaccines yeah. and hopefully people have learned their lessons from last time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just, we'll, like you say, take it day by day. I take it day by day. And, and one day all of this is just going to be something that, that our kids ask us about when they've got homework about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nuts, isn't it? That this is going to be an era of history yeah. that uh, we're going to be looking back at. Yeah. It's like our kids are going to be coming to us with their homework, and the question is going to be like, "What could have been done differently to to stop it all happening?" So, well, well, if I was fucking prime minister, <laughs> we all knew what was right sitting at home in the armchairs. <laughs> but then it's, it's weird chatting to people around Europe, and they're still in complete lockdowns. Like they've still got nothing open. Whereas you look at like Australia and New Zealand, and they they're completely fully open. open. Like there's there's gigs on, mm. there's comedy, there's there's all sorts. Yeah. So hopefully we'll be more like that in, in the next couple of months. And like you say, day by day, I think is the way to look at it. So that's the way I think we'll end the podcast. Yeah, well. no worries, good man. Thank you so much for coming. No, it's been on, a Jay. pleasure. It's, <laughs> it's been good great. to meet you. Yeah, and you, and hopefully, like I say, Kimbo Fest this year. Fingers perhaps crossed. if it, if it, if it goes ahead and if it gets sorted out, then. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely pop down. 100%. And have a... I'll, I'll have a beer waiting for you. Excellent. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> All right, then, mate. Well, thanks very What's much. Up, for man? Have a pleasure. And uh, yeah, see you very soon, hopefully. Have a good one. There you go. What a lovely bloke James is. I'm sure you'll agree. There's an interesting bit of circularity that's going on in this conversation four or five months on from having it. I can't say what that's about because it hasn't happened yet, but I'll probably be able to let you in on it in a few weeks' time. Also, despite both our bands being on the same lineup at Kimbo Fest, which we talked about, we were playing on two completely different weekends and neither of us made each other's sets, so we're still yet to meet in person, but I'm sure it will happen soon. In the meantime, go and check out James's work in the Furry Love Lickers and the Gonads on all the social media platforms. Thanks for listening, stay safe and take care. Catch you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Band Biographies. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to listen to your podcasts. Please do reach out on Twitter at BandBiogs, Instagram at BandBiographies, search on Facebook for BandBiographies or by emailing bandbiographies at gmail.com. See you next time.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 